This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So today on the podcast, I have on Jake Downs. So uh, it's the first time I've had Jake on the podcast. I really enjoyed it. Um, man, so he's just an all-around hunter. Like, he hunts with all different weapons, but he hunts quite a bit with his recurve. And so that made for an interesting conversation. Uh, we talked about some special tags, like he drew that uh, Ibex tag in um, New Mexico a couple years back. So we talked over that moose hunting and then we really get into the finer movements like at the end of the stock like um you know i know i'm always talking about instincts and um talking about the those critical decisions that you make inside the red zone and we really dive deep on that subject subject which made it very interesting so um thanks again for jake for coming on the podcast and, um, man, I really appreciate it. Check out his social media and his own podcast that he runs. And, um, man, we'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank Savage. So uh, Savage Arms really makes good, accurate, out-of-the-box rifles. They have a bunch of different models for all your different preferences. So if you're on a budget, you can still get a great shooting rifle. Or if you have a little bit more, you can get... Like we like the 110 ultralights over there at the Eastman's office, like a super lightweight, uh, like like backcountry rifle, uh, super accurate. They have a composite stock, and then they have a bunch of adjustability, and and you can really make this rifle fit you as far as like the the length of pole, so the length of the stock, the comb height, so you can get a perfect fit with your cheek welded to the rifle. Uh, they also have the the it's the accu stock and then the accu trigger and so the accu trigger you can adjust on your own and lighten that trigger to make it more accurate. But man, I I built up one of these rifles. It just gets a, gets along with all the different ammo. I had it sighted in within a few shots and just shooting some outrageous groups uh, with this factory rifle. So I'm so impressed with what Savage are doing with their rifles. Make sure to go check them out over at Savage Arms. I also want to thank Element. So Element is L-M-N-T. Element, it's a, a, a hydration supplement. And so what they do is they have an additive in there that, that helps get you all the sodium you need for like high exertion work. So we use them a lot as trail runners. I've been using this stuff a lot. And then we can really benefit from it as backpack hunters as well just because we sweat out so much. And, and it really helps you with the hydration, uh, you know, to be able to have this electrolyte intake, it, it's really beneficial for restoring health and hydration. So, you know, proper hydration is leads to better sleep, but sharpens focus, improves energy. And, and I've actually bonked by just drinking water. Like you need to get salt and electrolytes in your system under these high exertion uh, activities that we do. So it's just perfect for us backpack hunters. It's got zero sugar. So you're not adding a bunch of sugar to your drink. Uh, it's got, 
you know, sodium, potassium, magnesium, like all the stuff you need to help your hydration. So uh, I really like these guys. I really like um, uh, the the taste of it. And you can get, um, you know, you can get suffer fewer headaches like uh, high altitude hunting. Uh, you know, you can get rid of muscle cramps, which, you know, I was able to give a drink to one of my cameramans on a big day and uh, as he was starting to cramp up and it seemed to really help, you know, it supports fasting. It, there's like a, a bunch of benefits uh, to this, um, uh, the hydration supplement and Element is just great at it. So L-M-N-T, Element, uh, you can check these guys out. Uh, we also have a promo, so they're giving away... Uh, like a free gift, and uh, the free gr gift is they give you like a sample pack of all these different flavors so you can figure out which one you like and uh, which one works best for you. So, uh, yeah, you can check it out. Uh, you have to go to their landing page, and so their their landing page is, um, it's it's Element. Um, let me see here. This um, i got to pull it up. It's a drinkelement.com backslash elevated. So drinkelement.com backslash elevated, and then you can get that free gift on there, that sample pack um, along with your order. So thanks to those guys for their support of the podcast. I uh, really appreciate it and really like their product. I also want to thank Black Ovis. So Black Ovis is an internet retail shop. They have absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. They carry all the top name brands as well as their own name brand. So uh, you can get anything you need, uh, like I say, for that next hunt or for next season. I always like to upgrade a couple pieces of my gear every year, and uh, Black Ovis is perfect for that. You can save 10% off your order by putting in the promo code uh, ELEVATED10. And that'll get you 10% off, which is huge. So you can check that out over at Black Ovis. Also check out Camo Fire. You can save a pile of money on that app if they have 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. So uh, if you shop it, if you download the app, you'll see those deals come up and you can get some great gear for a huge discount. And with that, over at Eastman's, um, man, I really appreciate the support of those guys. We're putting together that goat film now so i saw the final edit for it this morning it's going to come out this saturday make sure to check it out on eastman's youtube channel uh it turned out really good uh really happy with the storyline with the videography super steep like gnarly terrain uh chase some really good billies around it it just made for a really good film up in the high country bc it's a backpack hunt uh, which, you know, is like the truest form of uh, backcountry hunting is like carrying everything you need in your backpack for days on end. So I, I just had such a fun time in the super extreme environment that goats offer. So check out that film. It's going to be out this Saturday. Uh, check out my other podcast I do with Dan Picard, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Life of a Bow Hunter. Uh, so that came out yesterday. We have a great long episode on there, and it's all about tag applications. If we go over Dan and I's strategy, we answer questions. Uh, so you can end up with a tag for next season uh, and, and um, have an adventure all lined up. So yeah, a bunch of good information in that one. You can listen to that one on a different feed. And... Um, Man, along with that, just um, working away. I've got a, a trip over to the office here in a couple weeks, so be able to get some work done over there. 
Um, looking looking forward to um, the shows here, going to a couple shows and talking to guys, and then just application season or really diving in and making sure that I have these these hunts lined up. So, uh, okay, I've talked for long enough. Let's get into this podcast. It's Jake Downs, uh, Eastman's Elevated. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Here we go. All right, right on, man. Um, well, yeah, always good when two bow hunters can figure out the tack, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Man, I like your backdrop there. You got an amazing game room, huh? Ah, thanks, dude. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of my, it's funny. We don't even spend that much time in here, honestly. Like, uh, you know, the kitchen's out there and the kids are out there. So we end up spending most of our time out there, but, uh, I do love being in here. Yeah. Is that an Ibex back in the corner back in there? Yep. Yeah. That's uh, Ibex I shot in New Mexico. I drew, I got lucky a few years ago and drew that uh, January tag and, and no, it was October. I did the October hunt mm -hmm. with the snakes. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fun. You ever, have you ever drawn that tag? Oh man, I've been applying for 20 years. It used to be 50% draws. I've tried in the outfitter draw. I can't seem to get lucky on that one, but, um, they, they've given me some other good hunts and good opportunities, but yeah, I'd love to do it. Well, well, um, man, that's saying something good on you, like on that October hunt, making good on it. Like, uh, those things are really tough. I've seen a lot of skilled hunters go for them and not harvest one. Yeah, it's a, it's some, just some brutal country. Like there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of them in there. Like every day we were pretty much on stocks. It was just, um, it's just so gnarly, you know, it's just such rugged country that, um, I think that's why a lot of guys get discouraged and they just kind of almost give up. I think it's, you know, I mean, they're pretty wound up. I mean, I think they get hunted for, you know, there's that season, then there's a January season, they have a rifle season, and then um, I think they have some U hunts that they do, or some nanny hunts, whatever you'd call them, and so I think they get pushed around quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you're not giving yourself full credit. I think they're pretty tough with the bow, but I get it in that extreme country. I think we, um, like, uh, guys do break mentally just to the challenge of climbing up and down every day or like i've always thought like i'd like to like uh bivy sack up on the ridge up there like have an elevated position uh but then you don't have the master vantage point like how'd you go about it master vantage point and then go for stocks after you'd bet them yeah yeah it was actually kind of funny because so me and my buddy levi um opening morning we we just pulled in right at the base of the it's just that i mean if anybody doesn't know it's just a big rock pile basically mountain in the middle of just flat nothing so we were just at parked at the base of it had a little base camp there and uh it's funny opening day no it was just i don't know opening day second day whatever it was it was just kind of funny because we were glassing right outside of our tent right at the base of the deal and we had we i mean we were looking at like 40 goats and uh this guy come tooling down on his uh in his pickup stopped talked to us you know we had our our uh spotter out and we were looking and the guy's like yeah i was camped right up there he's pointing like right where we were talking camped in there last night and 
and uh, just didn't see anything. So I came off the mountain. It's like mid morning. I was like, oh yeah, we didn't tell him that we were looking at 40, 40 goats from right where he came from. But uh, no, we, we just had a kind of a little base camp and then every day we went out um, from there. And I actually ended up killing mine um, in the littles, which I guess there's the big Florida mountains and then there's the little Florida mountains. And uh, I, uh, I ended up over there. We ended up over glassing that up because it seemed like there was a few less people over there. And uh, the, the only day that we didn't see a lot of, like every day you were spotting, you know, a group here, a group here, a group here. And it was kind of funny, like they would just show up out of nowhere. Like, at, I don't know if they like burrow themselves in the cliff faces or rocks or have caves. But all of it, you'd just be glassing in the morning and you'd just be looking. And all of a sudden, you know, here's 30 of them. Here's 10 of them. Here's two billies up on this sheer face. Like, where did they even come from? We've been looking at this stuff all morning and they just show up. So there, you know, there's always quite a few of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a fun hunt. We, uh, you want me to tell the story of, of actually, of the actual hunt. Yeah, I'd love <laughs> to hear it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, well, so the one morning, I think it was on day four, we we had spent the whole hunt, and I had gotten, that's the thing, like, I had gotten within, uh, let's see, the one day I got to about 30 yards of a billy, he was bedded up, it was just a sheer face, and he was just, there was a little lip, and then it just came down, and I was right below him. Got right in on him, and uh, when I drew the tag, everybody's like, you can't take the stick bow. You can't take it. You're going to have to shoot this thing at 120 yards. I'm like, well, I can't do that anyway. I'm a ter- I'm not that good of a shot with a, with a compound, but all right, I'll bring the compound. So I, you know, had my compound. I'm like 30 yards right below this thing. All he has to do is stand up on this little cliff he's on, and he's 30 yards. I, I got him dead to right. Well, I'm burrowed down. I've got this big old brush in front of me, a big rock beside me, and uh, he stands up, and these things have, like, antelope-style eyes. They, I mean, he just pinpoints me immediately. And... I'm just not moving. Just I. I mean, I thought I was in pretty good shape as far as him not fi- seeing me. Well, he comes down off this cliff straight at me. I draw as he comes by me at like ten yards and didn't get a shot. And then I had another day where I snuck into like fifty yards of a of one, and I don't know. I, I ended up shooting at that and shot over the top of him. And I don't know, but I think my, I mean, everybody blames the bow, right? Yeah. It's, I'm not a good shot with a compound, but I ended up shooting at, at camp and my sight was actually off. I was a little bit off. So got that fixed. And that's the thing. You're just beating your equipment to death. Like I had my bow strapped to my pack and it was just banging off of rocks and it, it was a mess. You know, it was, so who knows what was, uh, but on the fourth day, we finally, uh, we were up in the littles 
and we had hiked all the way to the top and it was the only day that the only morning that we just it was like mid-morning late morning we hadn't seen anything nothing and my buddy levi he take he he's got to go use the the bathroom so he takes off and i'm like i'm gonna use his 15s because he's got these nice swirl 15s i'm like i'm gonna jump on his glass for a while because he's from arizona so he's He's always got the big glass. Immediately, I, I see a nice Billy, like real nice. I'm like, oh, awesome. So he comes back. We make a plan. I go off after it. And uh, um, it was it was kind of crazy. I didn't realize that there was two of them. And uh, um, I'm sneaking up. And I, I know right where he's at, but I'm sneaking along and I'm just, and it was a brutal, like, it's not like a long ways, but everything's real steep. So I had to go down in this big steep gully and climbing down rocks and then back up and I'm uh, coming up the other side. And he, I think he's over the hill and I'm just easing along. And all of a sudden I see horn in front of me and it's only like, it's really close. Like, it's like 50, 40 yards, 30 yards. It's not very far away. And uh, so I'm, like, getting down and taking off my boots and grabbing my bow, getting all my pack off as quietly as possible because this thing's bedded right there. And I sneak up a little bit farther, and I range the tree that I know that I can see is horns are right below. And the tree's, like, 30 yards so I know he's under 30 yards from me so I just and the whole time my buddy's going insane like he has he's like what is he doing because he can't see the one I'm on the one that I'm supposed to be stalking is still where it's at he's like what is he doing so I'm I draw my bow come around the, the rock and I just can just see him and it's just perfect I got just have to shoot right over the rock you know it just angles right in he takes off running, and uh, my buddy watches the whole thing, watches him pile up. It was, it was. I tell you what, that's top three for me as far as like the excitement level. I was, that was an animal. Like that was an animal that I didn't even know I wanted until I saw one in person. I was like, I want that animal so bad. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, that's absolutely wild. Yeah, well, and uh, the the country makes a lot of the hunt, uh, you know, in that extreme terrain and that. But I love hunting new species. For some reason, I get so worked up when I have a new challenge or a new species. And like you say, sometimes I don't even know I want one until I see one and see a mature, like, representation of the species. Like, one of those billies would just be amazing. Yeah. And, um yeah, I just uh, – so many things you did right. Like, um, yeah, sleeping up on the mountain, thinking about it, it's like a master vantage point is so key, you know, being able to look at that whole hillside. But it sounds like you spotted that one being in country. It's like a combination of these master vantage points and then being in country and finding those vantage points. And, yeah, the 15s in that open terrain on a tripod, they can sure turn up some opportunities, you know, if you're willing to pack those things up, which is amazing. And then um, 
Yeah, the eyesight that like reminds me of like mouflon sheep. Most of these species we hunt, and what I think is really cool, Jake, is like you hunt a bunch of different species in a bunch of different habitats, which really improves your skill set. Like to have these varying skill sets, but the eyesight like reminds me of mouflon sheep, like hunting them in Hawaii and those lava rock canyons. Their eyesight is so good, and like a lot of these ungulates like as long as i hold still they don't see me like a muley or an elk or you know maybe i'm stuck out in the open but for the most part they catch movement and if you hold still they'll walk right by you but those mouflon sheep and sounds like those ibex they've got such good eyesight that i feel like i'm camoed in and they'll just pick me out and i didn't even move a muscle you know they they just rely on that eyesight so heavily you know which makes it really difficult but then it's also when you hunt a species like that like the tougher they are, the more you want one, you know, the more you get caught or the, mm-hmm. the tougher the challenge, like the more driven you get to try to earn an opportunity. But yeah, good on you. And then major stock and so much of this, like so much of this being successful is relying upon our instincts. You know, you make this calculated, methodical plan to go get on this billy and then you almost get there and you pick out the one you ended up shooting, like catch his horns before you get close to him. And man, it's like three more steps and he may have busted you or like if you keep going towards the one you know that's there, like you could have blown up the whole situation, but you catch that one and then I love those shots like over the rocks or over the hillside or just over the top of the grass where you're able to keep yourself like like hidden from their eyesight quite a bit, you know, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so much you did right, man. That's um, That's so awesome and so awesome to hear that it's like, top three for you hunting those things um man that's um super cool man they they seem like a really fun species to hunt yeah i'd i'd uh i'd like to do it again if i could ever draw the tag again i kind of didn't know what i had when i drew it you know it was one of them deals <laughs> i hate to say it uh it was the first time i'd ever put in for it but I've never really drawn any other good tags. Like all of my other, like I've never drawn a, a sheep or a goat or a, even a good elk or deer tag. I've never drawn like a coveted tag. <laughs> so I guess that one was the only, that was a, you know, one of them deals, but uh, no, I, I, it was great. I would love to do it again. I, next time I'm taking the stick though, I better try it. <laughs> even if, even if all I shoot is a nanny, like I'll go and shoot a nanny with the stick bow. It's just, Oh, it's a tough you. hunt. Yeah, well, we got to take our luck uh, where we find it. And um, I'm similar. Those, like, premium tags are so tough to draw. And it, it looks like you like you hunt all over. I'm sure you're like me where you apply all over as well to try to come up with these hunts. But, yeah, the majority of my hunts are all easy to draw or general season hunts and every once in a while i'll get lucky and draw you know i have drawn a goat tag i drew a shiris moose tag uh you know so i have drawn a couple of those but i apply for sheep in every state and uh different species all over and um man it's just tough to get those tags so yeah you got to take your luck where you get it and uh yeah you you definitely made good on your opportunity so that stick bow uh, man, it seems like, so you'll hunt with both weapons, um, but it seems like you really have a deep love for that stick bow and getting close, huh? Yeah, like, I don't ever, like, classify myself as any type of hunter. Like, like just yesterday I was out hunting with a, a uh, old open sights lever action 30-30, just because it's rifle season here. 
but if I had like, if someone was like, Hey, what's your favorite, uh, you know, way to hunt. My favorite way to hunt is super close. Like I like to be where I can hear them breathing. You know what I mean? Like I enjoy all kinds of hunting. Um, but I only, I, I use a stick bow because it's in my opinion, the most advantageous weapon, the way I enjoy hunting, which is being like right up, you know, 20 and in, you know, where I can hear them breathing. That, that's so that's why I picked the stick bow. It's not so much to beat my chest or say, Oh yeah, you know, I'm using this primitive weapon. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't make my own arrows. I don't make my own bows. You know, I use everything I've got is as technologically advanced as it gets for a stick bow, you know, like carbon arrows, carbon limbs, you know, my risers aren't even wood. I don't use wood risers cause they crack, you know, I mean, I, so I don't, uh, I don't, I don't do it for that. I do it because I really like being close. That's my favorite way to hunt. Yeah, it's super so. cool, man. It's like, um, it's the beauty of it, right? Is we can all find what we truly love and what we want to get out of these hunts, you know? And I'm, you know, I, I've messed around with one a bit. I haven't hunted with one. You know, I'm just so, I'm so enthralled and immersed in, like, well, I love the hunt with the compound. I love, like, having a bit of extended range. And, I, you know, I don't hunt with the rifle or the muzzleloader. For me, it's like uh, one weapon, you know. It's like my bow everywhere I go. And I enjoy that same thing getting close. But I also enjoy, like, having a bit of extended range so I can hunt um, – you know, different uh, uh, areas where maybe it's like more open and I can't get close enough where I do have an extended range. Hunt in the late season when the snow makes noise, when I can't get as close. Uh, hunt like um, uh, places with lower populations or lower densities where, you know, I know if I get a chance on that animal, I've got a, a good opportunity to, to get close and maybe get narrow. And, but I'm so like I just fallen in love with that challenge. But that's the beauty of it is we can all like find our enjoyment in different ways. But I think it's super cool what you're doing with the stick boat because it is such a high degree of difficulty. It seems like um like I've hunted. Like with my daughter that, you know, only has a range of 20 yards or 25 yards at most. And it seems like it's like you almost just have to switch your mindset. Like you can hunt any place with a stick bow. It's like just the way you look at opportunities or the way you catch them. Would you describe it that way? Is it's just like a mindset with that stick bow of getting closer? And and, and what is your, your comfortable range? You say 20 and in. Is that your range as well? Like you're seems like you're really proficient with your stick bow. Do you do you have a longer shot that you can take or, or how do you go about it, Jake? So yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say like I'm like crazy sneaky, but I do end up getting really close. Like it's kind of crazy. So, you know, like I said, I take the compound and hunt a few animals every year and I've only shot like two past about 30 yards with the compound. Usually I end up like last year. It's crazy. Last year I shot my mule deer, um, in South Dakota, um, at, 40 yards with my stick bow which is like you say the proficiency i'm not i'm not a guy that likes to take that shot I, i'm a guy that just if i look at a shot i know whether i can take it sometimes i you know it's a 25 yard shot that i don't want to take and sometimes it's a 40 yard shot that i know i've got um but so i shot my uh 
my mule deer in South Dakota at 40 with my, with my recurve. Then I came to Nebraska and ended up sneaking up on a, on a buck and shot him at 12 yards of my compound. He was right below this ledge and I just came over the top and shot him straight down. Um, so I end up hunting about the same way, no matter what weapon I have, whether I have a, a compound or, you know, I don't hunt with a gun much, but it's mostly just because it's not that I don't enjoy that type of hunting. Um, it's just that our rifle seasons are kind of crazy. Um, but, but yeah, I guess I would say, um, you know, my effective range is usually 25 and in. Um, I can definitely make a shot farther. Um, but like I said, I've had 20, 25 yard shots that I just didn't feel comfortable in for whatever reason. Like a stick bow is such a, um, part of you, I guess that sounds cliche, but it's true. Um, you know, it's like throwing a baseball. Some days you just feel more confident than others. Um, and, uh, so my effective range changes mm-hmm. a lot which is kind of crazy it's situational super cool man are you located in uh wyoming is that where i saw your area code uh no i'm uh nebraska nebraska North, okay northwest yeah northwest nebraska i live like 20 minutes from the south dakota border and like 45 minutes from wyoming okay yeah it's super cool um yeah man that's wild it um yeah, I mean, it's one of the things I like about a compound is, like, the accuracy and the confidence I get with it that knowing I can put a perfect air in, you know, archery, it's a game of science. It's like lungs, heart, or liver, and they die, and if you don't hit that spot, you maybe got a 10% chance. And so, like, I love walking around with confidence that I can make that shot, but it seems like uh, uh, you walk around with that same confidence with your, your recurve, and when you say part of you, like you're, you know, you may pass on a 25-yard shot that doesn't feel right, and then, you know, you may take a 40-yard shot that feels right with no wind, and he's standing there broadside, and you have a good shot on him, man. It, it's super cool. It's like, um, yeah, it, it, it's almost, you know, and I use the excuse of, like, open terrain that I want extended range, but... The same with a compound. It's like a mindset. And I do a lot of my harvests like, you know, like I'm 30 to 50 or even 40 to 60 is my range. But they start getting to that long range game, you know, which I consider like over 60. And I don't take a lot of those shots. I just opt to get closer, play the game. And it it's amazing, like how close you can get when you um, keep the element a surprise. And I, I have got shots closer. I just tend to hold up because I know I can make that shot, keep the element a surprise, and let that animal make the last mistake, and then I get that opportunity that I'm looking for. But it is just a mindset, you know, and you keep that element a surprise, and sometimes these stocks will last an hour or two hours or even longer where you're playing the game, and they don't know that they're being hunted. You, you just keep the element a surprise rise and maybe they go over the rise and then you hustle to get to that rise and then you catch them in a bottom but it's just like waiting for this right opportunity for them to slip up or put themselves in a position where you can get close enough so it sounds like i mean you're doing the same thing you're just um you're getting extremely close jake which is amazing and then making good shots with your stick bow uh man it's got to be so exhilarating to get those 25 yard shots and in you know it's like i i really hold you know like my closest shots with my bow i hold those in pretty high regard just because they're pretty intense encounters you know it's got to be the same for you 
Yeah, and see, like, I don't know. Um, like I said, I think a, a stick bow is, is super. I, I would, if you put me at 20 yards from an animal, I would way rather have my stick bow in my hand than my compound. Because for me, it's just, it's something I can, I can partly draw. I can draw quickly. I can shoot quickly. Um, you know, it's, it's just, in my opinion, it's more advantageous. Like, honestly, uh, with a compound, I'd rather be, you know, in that 35, maybe even 40 range where I feel confident. There's something different about an animal, especially an older animal. And I'm not as, uh, you know, I, I would look at you as somebody who puts the challenge in, in chasing older class animals. And I've shot some good animals, but I'm not always, you know, if I go after, I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily always chasing the older class animals. Um, you know, especially with the stick bow, I'm, I'm not as particular, but if you've got, there's something to beyond that, that closer than 40 yards, like there's something about it that those animals almost have that sixth sense. And I know you've probably been there where I'm too close. You know what I mean? You feel like, Oh my gosh, if I even put pressure on my string, these things are going to hear the cams rolling over. So that's why I always say like uh, that close, that stick bow is just so quiet. It's so, you know, you can draw it really slow. You can draw it really fast. You can half draw it. You can stop. So that's, you know, I mean, that's really, it's advantageous in that scenario. God, I, I've always thought that, Jake, like, uh, you know, there, there's definitely disadvantages and high degree of difficulty with that stick bow. But I thought, I thought about that, like when you really get used to it and know that bow, and like you say, it's a part of you, like you just get to know and feel where that shot's going to be. And, and I think there's also some advantages where you don't have to draw and anchor and level and aim and like all these steps that go into it where you don't have to think as much. And you know, like you say, you can quick draw, you can half draw. Like I've always thought it's a pretty quick shot. It's light to pack around. Like there, there also, there's some advantages that come with it too. And especially as you get to know it and get that feel, but man, it's amazing what you've accomplished with that thing. Like you had a great season this year. I saw quite a few animals with your stick bow this year. Oh uh, yeah. It's been a, it's been a fun one. Like, people are always like, Oh man, it's been such a great year. And, and it has, like, I'm not taking away from it, but it's, uh, I just, I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess, um, every, every year is just, you just try to better yourself. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're not, uh, trying to go crazy, but the more and more that my, uh, Life, you know, you get a little older, you get a little better as far as financially sound, a little more time on your hands. You know, it's uh, it uh, it gets easier to get out there, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's a way of life, right? Uh, when you love bow hunting, you structure your life for it to get more time in the field. And also you get more proficient and more knowledge, which brings more confidence to go to these different places and find success. So. I mean, I, I'm with you. It's like it's it's been such a great season and a bunch of adventures for me as well. Uh, but it's it's like 
you 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 start you put in the work all these years uh, of honing your craft and you like I I expect to see that kind of success and I I also have failures and animals that I want to harvest that I'm not able to mistakes I've made you know places where I want to get better as well and it's kind of the fun of it is like you you never quite master it. Like uh, I, I definitely get better at it and uh, more proficient. And uh, I definitely like as I get older too, as I I find the enjoyment like in the journey and in the adventures. Like once like you've harvested a bunch of animals, I've harvested a bunch of animals. Like I'll, like I'm still driven, and that's still the goal is to chase these um these older age class animals and be able to get an arrow in them. But I also just like find the enjoyment in the adventure and the journey and the challenge of trying to arrow them and, and the excitement like, you know, you you talk about like with that stick bow, like making plays and making stocks with our bow in our hands is really the enjoyment for me. Like I love it. And, you know, I'm not always shooting for a 200 class buck or, a, you know, a, a 360 class bowl. Like to me, I just want to find a mature animal that I'm happy with, but I want to play the game. I want to get in there and make stocks and um like like play this chess game with them you know where i'm trying to outthink them and outwork them and the deal is is like it, it it's always difficult like all of these hunts are are difficult to get close but i think that's like part of the, part of the beauty of it and um yeah it sounds like you're similar to me where um you know i just want to continue to structure my life to get more time to do more of these adventures and more of these challenges but um yeah man well it it it, it does look like it's been a great season. It looks like you got that um, the moose monkey off your back. Those things are um, tough. They're low populations. Like uh, moose hunting sucks. <laughs> it does suck, dude. I don't. I, everybody wants to go on a moose hunt. I'm like, I don't want to go on another one. Like, I got, I got, I got to get a Yukon, and then I'm like, I'm gonna go do other things. Like, I would much <laughs> rather go any do any other species. Like, they're they're brutal. And, uh, um, yeah, like you say, they're low population. Um, even if you're in, like, if you're in the moose Mecca, you might see like one every other day or something. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, when you're hunting elk or deer or something where, you know, if you're in, if you're in them, that you, you know, you're seeing groups of them. Um, yeah. And I know you, you had just had, uh, you drew your tag and it took you quite a, it took you. You you hunted pretty much the whole season, didn't you? To get what get get the animal found that you wanted to find. Yeah, thirty days I put in hunting them. Yeah, oh. so yeah, I was about I about lost my sanity. You know, it's like uh, I I'd make this joke like I'm the worst moose hunter alive. Like I just couldn't. You go so many days and not seeing them, but I just had to believe in the process. Like this, um, yeah. you know, that I am a good hunter. That um, you know, I will find a trophy moose. It's just like it was this combination of um, driving roads, still hunting, and master vantage point. I did do some calling too, but I must be a horrible caller. I never did call one of those things in. And I've hunted Alaskan Yukon, and uh, I've got 10 days or 12 days into Alaskan Yukon. And I did see quite a few bulls doing it, just couldn't close the deal with my bow. So I do need to go back and get an Alaskan Yukon. And I, you know, I, I do, like, I joke that moose hunting sucks. And it does, it's like, you know, hunting mule deer and hunting elk is the most fun stuff out there. Like, I get to travel and hunt all these different species, but there's not much that tops the excitement and, uh, like, uh, of hunting these elk and these mule deer. Like, 
they are some of the funnest species. And sometimes I'll catch myself like when I drew a goat tag a couple years ago, like I love the experience and I love being in that extreme train. And I had so much fun hunting goats this year, but sometimes I'm like, it takes away from my mule deer hunting where I'm like, gosh, that, that mule deer hunting is like really fun. You know, I hate to miss out on it. And I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunities and getting to hunt different species in these different environments. But yeah, moose hunting is really tough with the low densities, low sightings, low opportunities. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, our bear hunting out here in Montana where, you know, I'll put a bunch of days in and um, like I describe it as 99% boredom and 1% thrilling excitement. And that's kind of like with moose too, 30 days for one opportunity. And they're not known as the spookiest animals to stalk. But when you fi- when I finally found a bull that I wanted to shoot after 30 days, I had to stalk that thing like it was an antelope. Like the last thing I wanted to do is yeah. blow it out of country, you know, after I finally found a shooter. Right. And luckily I was able to make a good stalk and make a good shot on but yeah that moose hunting's tough yeah it's uh it's something else i've done it uh you know i've never drawn i've i've drawn a few uh shiris cow moose tags in colorado and and done that and uh that was brutal too because most of the time you know if you have a cow tag all you're seeing is bulls you know i could have killed multiple big bulls but uh it's just like i know the first time i went out there i was thinking oh i'll just go out there and I'll just shoot one. Like it's going to take me like two days. Like it's no big deal. And it, I didn't shoot one till I, I didn't see a cow until like the third or fourth day. And I didn't, and she was, I don't remember what happened, but I didn't get on that one. And then it was the sixth day before I found another one and finally got one killed. So, I mean, it's just uh, an animal that is like you say, it's, it's a trying, <laughs> it's, it's mentally tough. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, if you watch, any of these guys, you know, YouTube guys, uh, Remy Warren, you know, I mean, I think Rennell has been on like, he's been on a ton of hunts for, for moose and, and he just finally killed one and he's on with a rifle. Like it's, it's not an easy animal. I mean, it can be, like you say, they're not the smartest animal. Once you get, you know, get one found and, and, uh, um, I mean, hundred percent, if you're trying to get, you know, if you get closer to a hundred yards, it's not going to stand there and watch you walk to him and let it, let you shoot him. I mean, he's not that dumb, but you know, like you say, when you get your opportunity, like this year, when, when we were sneaking on that bull, the crazy thing about that bull is we'd been hunting. We'd been, uh, at my buddy's cabin. Um, he's got a trapper's cabin. We'd been all around that area. We'd been, uh, floating the river, which is a really cool way to hunt. Um, you know, floating along, calling, and uh, just weren't seeing any, just weren't having any luck. And uh, we were back at his place midday, um, and we we're like, oh, let's run over here and check him. Uh, he's got some bear baits, and he's like, well, let's go check that bear bait because there's been a moose over in that area, and I got a camera over there. Let's just go check it and see what's going on over there. So we're li- we're literally like a mile from his house. And, uh, I look over and I see a moose standing in the field, just a cow moose. So we stop and look at it and it's a cow and a calf. And I can just see a paddle sticking up right behind it. Just a, I, I could tell there's a bull there. So we're like, Oh crap, you know, like, so we get out of the, you know, we pull up, get out of the truck and 
and try to sneak through the timber that's behind them. And, uh, oh, it's just pure leaves. You know, we went a little later this year. We went mid-August or October, and uh, it's just crunch, crunch, crunch. And we're, yeah, we're probably, I don't know, probably a couple hundred yards behind them. I was like, this, there's no way this is going to work. This is not going to happen. So we go in a big circle and come out on the edge of the field where, you know, where we're going to look for them. And we kind of glass back towards the road and they're still there. They're still hanging out. And like you say, they're not, you know, they're used to other animals, cows and whatever moving around. And, and they're not that afraid of, you know, I mean, they kind of know what a wolf sounds like, I think. So we just kind of hang out there and, uh, finally they got tired of, you know, my buddy that's, back by the truck he's just kind of hanging out watching them they got a little started getting a little nervous so they got up and started walking our way and uh the cow and calf came by at like 40 yards and i was like oh god hope this you know i'm hoping he's a little closer than that but uh um he's behind him and the cow and calf kind of trot by and he's kind of coming on a clip to keep with him and uh, he's probably like 28, 30 yards. And my buddy's like, all right, when he gets close, I'm going to grunt. So he comes and Kevin grunts. And I, and I'm, and the, of course, when he grunts, the thing kind of turns his shoulder and kind of turns towards us. So he's got his, his shoulder blade back. And I'm like, ah, like the shot's not great. You know what I mean? Like a big bull move. I have to hit him pretty well pretty good uh, of course it's a barn door you know you're shooting at um so i draw back shoot and we just watch that arrow hit right behind that shoulder just bury in and it, immediately kevin's like double lung got it like he's like he's so excited because he's been with me like this whole time you know we've got i've got 27 days this is the 27th day between four trips and he's been with me on three of the trips. So he's got like 21 of the days with me. And uh, so he's super excited. We've become good friends. And <laughs> we're both just like two kids, you know, running around. Like, I'm like, should I shoot him again? Like, he's like, he's like, you can if you want to. He's he's done. You know, he, he kind of ran out there and, and fell over. But uh yeah, man, it's it's a it was an amazing feeling, that's for sure. Yeah, that's super cool, man. Good on you. Yeah, they uh, uh, mental uh, like perseverance, like uh, just keeping after it and keeping put keep putting forth effort, and it's amazing what'll come together. But yeah, that's crazy, man. Twenty seven days into it, arrow to moose. Well, you're stoked. Uh, well, it sounds like you've got some cow shiras too, but that moose meat eats so well too. Like oh. I just love that stuff. It's amazing. That's it. We actually ended up driving all the way up there. Uh, it's it was 19 hours for me, and like 20, like 30 hours for my buddy because he drove all the way from Oklahoma up here, and then we got the pickup and drove all the way up because, um, yeah, we wanted to bring all that meat back. And he ended up shooting a moose. I shot a moose. He shot a deer. I shot a deer. And we had. I shot a bear. We had that big pack full of, of meat. 
So it was a uh, it was a pretty awesome trip. Yeah, good for you guys. Well, and then I saw like I've just um, I've I've kind of just gotten to know you through social media. It's really good to connect with you too on a podcast, man. It's um, you have like such a passion and such a passion for that stick bow too, which is which is really cool. But yeah, it looks like you killed your your best Nebraska buck this year. That you know, there's just some states that are some um states that that aren't known for mule deer where there's some dang good mule deer hunting. And Nebraska is one of those states I've never been to, but the Dakotas, you mentioned you're on the border of South Dakota, North Dakota, like Oregon. There's these, these states that, that aren't known for mule deer where you can find some dang good mule deer hunting, the New Mexico, Arizona, but yeah, congrats, man. Uh, What a great buck with your stick bow this year in your home state. Yeah. Thanks dude. Actually, uh, the deer I shot in Nebraska was with a compound. Oh, was it? Um, I shot a, yeah, uh, you might be talking about that gnarly buck I shot in South Dakota. I shot a big, like heavy, heavy, uh, he's got like eight inch bases. He looked like a caribou. He just kind of went up and he had like, he's got these big palmated tops on him. Um, I shot that one in, uh, South Dakota with my buddy Ryan. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that buck I actually snuck into, um, like I sat on him. I was six yards away. And I was so close that I could hear him. He kept just like, <clears throat> I could just hear him, you know, this breathing. He's an old, old deer. And <laughs> I could just see, you know, I'm looking at his rack through the brush and I can just, I, I'm looking at him for so long. You know how you get like, your eyes almost get fatigued when you're looking at something so close, but you can just barely see it. You know what I mean? It's just so much brush. Like there was a point in time where I had to look at the horizon because my eyes were just like, they hurt from staring at this deer. And of course it was hot and uh, just sun beating on you. You know, the only place that I could get to was right in the middle of the sun. And uh, finally that buck stood up. And I couldn't honestly tell what direction he was facing because all I could just see was just this tiny little one of his one of his velvet tines. All I could see, and uh, so I really didn't know if he was facing away, if his butt was that way, or if it's this way. Well, of course, his hind was right straight to me. So when he stood up, I didn't have a shot, and I'm only six yards from this deer. I'm I'm like. The wind's going to screw me. He's going to obviously see me. I'm sitting right in the sun. Luckily, he was facing away. And uh, he turned and started feeding. And I could just see him. You know, he's feeding. And I could, well, I'm watching his eyeball. I'm so close. And at one point, he stops feeding. And he, like, you could almost tell, like, he kind of caught something out of his corner of his eye. I'm like, uh-oh, it's over. You know, he's going to bolt out of here. But I didn't move, and finally he just went back to feeding, and he turned far enough. For, and I was like, this close, I'm ta- I, when I'm that close, you know, I'll take uh, a harder shot. You know, I can place that arrow a little easier with the stick bow that close. And uh, he turned hard quartering away, and I was like, I, this is my chance. So I stuck that thing right in front of his front. I mean, he was hard quartering front quarter buried up in him he ran around the bush 
my buddy Ryan's behind me and I'm like going this way, following him. And he's like, no, no, go that way. So I run around the bush and he's just standing there broadside. And, uh, that's what I like about the stick bow, man. It's just another arrows on in two seconds and let it rip and, and, uh, hit him again. Perfect. And he ran maybe like 20 yards and fell over. And, uh, that was that. So that was pretty intense. That was high, (laughs) high on my list. That is so intense, man. Um, you know, it, it just reminds me, like, the the more we hunt, the more comfortable we get. Like, getting into bow range is only half the battle, and sometimes we spend this whole entire hunt just trying to get into bow range of these animals. But getting into bow range is only half of the challenge, or then getting that shot, like, getting a good angle and a good shot, not forcing the arrow, uh, like, seeing your window, like, you know, it's it's just... I think the better we get at bow hunting, the more comfortable we get in those situations, like you being six yards away and knowing that you're okay. You, you know, if you don't move, he's feeding away from you, and you like you think he's going to bust you that whole time, but we actually have like more time than we think we do. Or you can keep concealed better than you think you can. It's like you have to almost get comfortable at being in that bow range and like – I'm okay here. I'm not going to move. He's not going to see me. Like, I've been 12 yards away or 10 yards away and have a deer, you know, get out of his bed and look directly at me where it's like, oh, my gosh, it's over. And then he put his head down and he'll start feeding because I didn't move and I didn't react. And I think so many guys in this situation, they're trying so hard to get in bow range that they finally get there that they make a big move. Like, they try to draw their bow while the animal's looking at them or they try to – step around the bush or step around the tree with their bow drawn or draw their bow and stand up like the right move is to like get comfortable in this bow range get get comfortable with the uncomfortable like you you just like have faith that he's not going to see you You stay still you wait for his head to be down or you wait for him to turn in a certain direction like just getting comfortable being closer i've been in close you know four or five bucks and i can't draw because the other bucks will see me draw and just like really being patient like patience will kill that buck and, and it doesn't work out every time like you say the wind swirls a lot or maybe they do catch you because you're in the sun or you know they see you and then they're on to you and then you have no choice but to try to draw and get a shot i i just feel like the better we get inside that bow range the more animals that die from our arrows like you know the bull I killed this year. You know I I had ten minutes, fifteen minutes in bow range, and the satellite bull you know came right on me to five yards, and I was able to crouch down as he was coming up the hillside and just get hunkered down to where he couldn't see me. But I, I just staying still and getting comfortable in the bow range there, just more animals die. Like don't you find that like the more you hunt and the more comfortable you are being close. Like the the more opportunities come your way. Oh man, one hundred percent. Like it's like hunting. People are always. I think people always focus a lot, and it's good. Like you need to focus on, you know, the gear and um, how to be in the woods, be in the back. You know, be a woodsman, and uh, you know, stock planning. You know, that's that is a good portion of hunting, but. Like all that's great until you, like you said, when you aren't familiar with killing animals, um, 
and and knowing what to do in those situations, um, I think a lot of guys, I think I think experience um, in those situations is why guys are successful, and I think a lot of of the other stuff is is uh, you know a little more background noise, if that makes any sense. Like I, I think um, the more op- opportunity to be in that range with an animal knowing when to draw when to um you know i mean there are times this is gonna sound stupid and maybe but there are times where i won't even look at an animal if i know you know if i'm that close they can sense that i don't even know why that is but they can sense it um and uh i just think it's a uh I think any opportunity you can put yourself in those oper- in those situations, even if it is just like going to Texas and shooting some pigs or something, like there's nothing smarter than a pig that's been hunted 365 days a year. Like they are the smartest animal. They're hard to kill with a bow. Uh, my opinion on, on becoming a killer is, is shoot a lot of stuff. Like, you got to, you know, practice that part of it because yes, you know, planning stocks and making stocks, there is a lot of skill to that. But my, in my opinion, what you said about patience is money. Like patience kills. It's, it's patience within the stock, knowing when to be patient. I mean, obviously there are times where you got to push it, you know, you got to get, get there. Uh, but Sometimes, like, I find myself, like, worked up. Like, I got to get there. I got to get to this point because he's going to get up and leave. Well, if he's doing that, me getting there louder, you know, two minutes, five minutes earlier, is that really going to help? So I just have to tell myself, like, calm down, be patient, get there. If he's already got up, at least he hasn't, you know, that's something you can't control. Like, that is luck. You know, I mean, there is a lot of luck in hunting. I know a lot of people don't want to, you know, attribute that, but there is, you know, I mean, you're working with an animal that has a mind of its own. It's going to, and it wants to survive. It's going to get up. It's going to move. It's going to do its thing. So all you can do is control the things that you can control, which is make the stock, be patient, get there, and then be patient once you're in that zone, because once you're in that zone, rushing it is the, that's the thing that I used to do that screwed me up the most is rushing the shot. Like it's literally how I lost most of my animals in the beginning. Like I've had multiple times where I just went to draw when I shouldn't have, or, you know, tried to get, you know, push it. And I still do that. I still push it a little bit. Um, when I shouldn't, I mean, we all screw up. Uh, but yeah, man, patience is like King in my opinion. Yeah, it's spot on, man. It's um, so funny, Jake, how we, uh, we've we never met and uh, we get on the line and so many similarities just to our mindset and thought process on this deal, you know, it's like crazy. And it is like those killer instincts that is honed through experience and through making mistakes and learning from them. And you're right about like you need to put yourself in that situation a lot. So like I always recommend 
high opportunity hunts like hunting you know badlands bucks where you're going to get a lot of stocks you're going to make mistakes like hunting you know even my state in montana like they'll give us five whitetail doe tags over the counter it's like go hunt whitetails like a spot and stock on the ground like sharpen those skills and those instincts at getting close in that decision making process and you know, you're also right that we we still make mistakes or we rush too much. It's like it's not black and white. It's this gray area where you have to listen to your gut, what moves you're going to make. But I love you describing like slowing yourself down. Like I take the same exact approach. It's like, you know, your your mind's screaming at you to rush in the end, to hurry up and get there to that shooting position. But yeah, I think about it the exact same as like, you know, that buck may move or may move out of range, but I'm not going to be the one that screws it up. All I can control is my noise. And I know the most important thing in this stock is to like keep the element a surprise. So the closer I get, the slower I'm going to move. Like the closer I get to that shooting position, I'm really going to move slow. Like, I don't want to give away that I'm hunting this animal. If I can get there and he doesn't know I'm there, I have a good chance to kill him. And it's so funny how your mind will also give up on you. Like, you're getting close and you, your mind will start going, well, he probably moved off. Like, I haven't seen him yet. He's probably not there. And a lot of times he's, like, still in that spot. And so then you, like, walk up, like, almost, like, half-assed or something, you know, to that shooting position. And he's laying right where you thought he'd be, and you spook him because you didn't keep your focus, you know? Or, like, uh, so, yeah, when you're thinking about these stocks or you're moving to that final position, just continue to move slow and, like, disciplined. And, like, a lot of times that animal's still going to be there. And if he doesn't know you're there, you got a good chance to kill him. Like that giant three-point that you killed where you stalked into six yards where you're waiting for that thing to stand. Six yards without him knowing you're there like that's amazing but yeah you do have to really develop these killer instincts and the the best teacher out there is experience make the mistakes learn from it and so like pick these high opportunity hunts the antelope hunts the the mule deer opportunity hunts the white tail doe hunts the pig hunts that you describe like man nothing sharpens your skill like experience stalking yeah dude it's it's any any hunting you can do like I'll be honest, even like I do such a wide range. Like I, I, uh, you know, one, one week I may be hunting mountain goats, you know, with a pack on my back and, you know, whatever sheep. And then the next in, in within a month, I may be sitting over a feeder in Texas shooting pigs. Like I don't, you gain knowledge no matter what, because even, even sitting, over a feeder there is still you've got to be yes you may be in a blind but those animals are so used to being hunted from that blind that you have to have if you make the wrong move in that blind if you make any noise if you make any it's not i mean there's still a window they can still see you know any movement so even stuff like that gives you a a leg up. And then on top of that, you've got to learn to control your emotions, pick your spot, make the shot. Like all that stuff is, is so advantageous. Like that's what I love about how I, I get to all the things that I get to do. I mean, I get to go from a DIY solo, you know, backpack, um, hunt on public land to 
you know, this time of year where I'm, you know, maybe at my buddy's place in Oklahoma hunting deer over a feeder. Like, it's such a wide, different range of, of things, and you experience so many different um, – there's so many different uh, obstacles. No matter what you're hunting, there is an obstacle. Just like this last deer hunt I went on in – we were hunting deer in Oklahoma over corn, 100% legal. It took me three days to kill a buck that tried to come in like three different – four different times. Uh, one time, you know, like I said, these deer, they're coming to a spot where they have been hunted before. <laughs> you know, they're, they're a little bit nervous. Um, I had cows come and ruin it one night. The wind was wrong a few times. I mean, there's always something to make the hunt challenging. And that's what I love about being able to go, you know, from Alaska down to Texas and everywhere in between and just hunt so many different ways, so many different animals. And, and, uh, it's just, you just, yeah, you just learn to, you, you, you learn to, uh, deal with that. Um, you know, when to draw, when to do, you know, how to kill. That's just, it's great experience, that's for sure. Hundred percent, man. I couldn't agree more. I I love any species. They'll let me hunt with my bow. I take on the challenge. And different species in different habitats sharpen your skill sets in different ways. Like you know, hunting coos deer down in the desert, like it makes you really good on your glass on fifteen power binos on a tripod, like picking them out. They blend in so well. The gray ghosts, like as you get close, they're really wiry and switched on, so they improve your stalking skills your glassing skill and so all these different species and all these different habitats sharpen your skill set in different ways and then when you go to take on a new challenge in a new place and it could just be hunting mule deer in a different unit or a different habitat maybe the desert or the foothills or the badlands or wherever it is you're able to take all these skills and they you know, that you're able to, um, you like these skills transpose into different species, like knowing when to draw and being patient and when to stalk. Like all of a sudden, like, you know, the, they're different in, in like certain ways, like they, the different challenges and things, but they, those skills transpose. And so you're able to go to a new spot and dial it in and start finding deer and getting stocks and then getting into bow range. You're able to kind of dial that in, you know, and no matter what the challenge is, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, stalking the animal or snow on the ground is noisy. Like you're able to tackle these head on and be able to to problem solve them. And that's like a lot of what our what our bow hunting is is like problem solving. And and uh, so, uh, man, I definitely agree with you, Jake. I love like all the different opportunities that we get. And there's still like a lot of opportunities out there to go embark on and sharpen these skills. And no real limit to how good we can get. Like, I, I still find trophy animals, and I still fail on them, and they outsmart me. Like, um, their instincts are so keen, and they're so tough to kill, you know, with a bow and arrow that it's just like, uh, I don't think that the challenge will ever end. And I think that's, like, part of the beauty of it and why I love it so much and why you love it so much, at least that part of it, you know. And so, uh, man, it's just... It's super fun to get on and rap with you, and I, we've been going for an hour, and it feels like we just got started. So I definitely got to have you back on, but guys have to check out uh, your podcast as well. Uh, Earn Your Hunt is your podcast, and then I also see you got some videos on YouTube as well, right, Jake? 
Yeah, I'm kind of a uh, uh, half-ass influencer, if you will. I don't, I don't do very well. Like I said, everything that I do is like on my phone. I don't uh, the podcast. If you, uh, I'm a roughneck. Like I don't, you know, I know you're in construction, dude. I was, I was brought up on a, a construction site, you know, hearing dirty words and dirty jokes, and so if you, if you are like a hardcore Christian and don't like cussing, don't like the roughneck life. My podcast isn't for you, but uh, if you're like me and you're kind of a redneck, yeah, like it's, it's, uh, you know, rock and roll, but, uh, uh, and then YouTube. Yeah. I got a few videos. I, I just filmed a few things on my phone. Like I, I don't, uh, uh, I've had, I've had a few times where filming has kind of screwed me up on an animal and I just not that interested in it. So I don't go very hard on the whole filming thing. I've done a few uh, you know, had it, but, but, uh, mostly just Instagram, just kind of sharing my life because my biggest thing is, uh, I'm not special. Like everybody's like, Oh, you get to hunt so much. And my biggest spiel is I'm just a blue collar guy. Like I have, I own my own electrical business. I have two employees and I just go like you, you know, I just, go to work every day so that this time of year I can, you know, kind of not necessarily slack off, but kind of slack off of the work. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I built my life around hunting. So, um, yeah, that's my spiel is work hard so that you can go out and hunt. You know, you don't have to be in the industry to hunt as much as some of these guys that, you know, get to hunt all the time. Man. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, why I enjoyed this so much is I relate so much with you. You just like common thread with the blue collar bow hunters, you know, you're just out doing your thing and working hard and getting opportunities. And, um, so yeah, we definitely got to keep in touch, Jake. And, um, yeah, I'll share the audio if you want it, but happy to, to come on the podcast or whatever. And then, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to have you on again. I really enjoyed the conversation. I think I could talk to you for hours on end, but, um, yeah, man, I just really appreciate you taking the time and being on this morning and joining me and, um, yeah, just um, go check out his Instagram. It's a great follow uh, podcast, and then also what he's got on YouTube there. So thanks a bunch, Jake, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, dude. It was an honor. Appreciate it. Okay, we'll talk soon. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Oh, thanks to Jake for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed that conversation. Like, Jake is a killer and uh, uh, consistently harvest animals with his bow, which is no easy feat. So really fun to have an in-depth conversation with him. Sure, appreciate his time. Make sure to check out his podcast, check out his social media and everything that Jake's doing. Uh, so yeah, thanks to him for coming on. Uh, thanks to Eastman's for their support. Don't forget that brand new goat film will be out this Saturday. My goat hunt in BC backpack archery goat hunt. Um, super cool. I'm really proud of how the edit and how the footage turned out. So you guys can check that out this Saturday. Uh, check out the other podcast I do with Dan Bacar, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Life of a Bow Hunter. Uh, that came out yesterday all about application strategies, which I'm starting to dive into now. And um, everything we're doing over at Eastman's. You can check up out our Tag Hub 2.0. Uh, it's got a mapping system. I'm using it a bunch right now as I'm starting to plan out my hunts for next season. And it's exciting. I'm finally starting to wrap up my hunting season here and starting to think about next year. I've got that lift just absolutely shooting. And I actually, I got the... Um, 
gosh, it's they've got a uh, gosh, what is the computer system that now it's getting so high tech that you can put this uh, this module in the grip. It's like a shot IQ or uh, no, that's Joel Turner's deal. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's through Matthews. You can search it. And it actually tracks all your shots, tracks like your pin aim, your level. I was just getting it set up last night, and then I'm going to use it tonight for a session. But, yeah, I've, I've got that bow shoot, and I shot a – see, I was uh, just trying to get used to it, shooting some indoor again. What, I had 293, couple 296s Vegas rounds, and then I shot a 299 the other night, and it was close to a 300 round. I had one that was – just on the line, but I had kind of shot out the target, so I couldn't tell how where the line was. Uh, I, I'm i pretty sure it was out, and that's why I called it out. But uh, yeah, 299, 17x, so shooting pretty good, and then some of the groups um, outside are just shooting outrageous. I got some good arrows built up, uh, spent a lot of time with the tune of this bow and getting it shooting right, and uh, man, it's starting to behave. It is going to be an awesome bow for 2024, so couldn't be more excited at the way that's shooting. And then, you know, the the thing that's really gotten me where I'm at is consistently cons- consistency, if I can talk here. So I'm really working on my consistency. Of course, I love to run every day, so I'm getting my runs in no matter what, making it happen and trying to add more longer runs in. So that's been going really good. My legs are starting to get back to running shape, uh, shooting every day. Of course, been working with that bow a bunch, shooting indoor, and can really start to see the improvements in my shooting. And um, yeah, and then, uh, uh, man, it's just my upper body, like the the push-ups and pull-ups every day. Um, you know, and I've, I'm good at upper body workouts, but I've just made this rule about consistency where it's like, okay, 100 push-ups every single day, you know, 40 pull-ups every single day. And it's like this small thing, but just getting it in day in, day out. And I'm on about 12 or 13 days in a row of just getting those in. And then, you know, also do uh, lifting on top of that. But that consistency, I figure if I can improve, like, even just a, a hundredth of a percent or a tenth of a percent. And if I can make those improvements every day to my bow hunting, once I get to next season, you know, if I can be 5% improved or even 2% or 3%, like I'm just looking to squeeze the most out of my performance, you know, as far as physically, mentally shooting. And if I can see some improvement and come into next year, uh, even better than I was this year, man, I'm going to see some awesome success. So really working on my consistency and making sure I'm fitting it in, you know, with a full-time job and the podcast and everything, but just making time for it. And that's really the key for me to get to where I've gotten is just this consistent work and consistent improvement. So really focusing on that. Um, but, but anyways, a great podcast with Jake. I really enjoyed it. I really improved from listening to these guys and the way they think about bow hunting and the way they, uh, the, the way they're able to articulate their consistent success, man, I just absolutely love it. Just, and I love this episode with Jake. Thanks for him for joining me on the podcast. I've got some good episodes coming up. Thanks to you guys for your support. You know, the reviews on iTunes or, you know, it takes two seconds and really helps the algorithm of the podcast, the shares on social media. So I just really appreciate you guys and want to help make you better Western hunters. So uh, we'll keep working away over here on my side. Thanks again for listening in and everything you do and uh, check in with you next week.